A great song and those are some great pictures of our dads. Hey, it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, dads. Big shout out to you. We hope that this day is filled with everything you love to do. Golfing, fishing, relaxing, whatever it is, we hope that this is just a great day for you. We've got some fun things on in store for you, so you're going to want to stick around for a little bit. Quick funny story, at my house last weekend, my husband tricked us into thinking it was Father's Day, and we all felt so bad that we waited on him hand and foot until about five o'clock when we realized that it really wasn't Father's Day and the joke was on us. So now he gets another one because you know what? He deserves it. So it's gonna be a great day here, and we think you guys are gonna have some fun. We've got some fun things in store. Parents, if you have ever not had a chance to check out our K-Kids page, we want you to do that. There's a K-Kids Facebook page, and on that page, you will find all kinds of interactive activities for your kids to do. There's different challenges, there's different ways that they can get involved in the service with you. So you're definitely gonna wanna check that out. Last weekend, we had the kids build a wall. Let's show you some pictures of that. These guys are aspiring engineers, no kidding. Some craftsmen beyond belief. You guys check these out. Way to go, kids, good job. Today though, is gonna be the most fun challenge of all. Today, kids, we are giving you permission to go and raid your dad's closet or any guy's closet and dress up like a dad. So if you don't know what that is, I'm gonna give you a few helpful hints. 
it's usually gonna look like a Hawaiian shirt of some kind or a different t-shirt with some stains on it, some cargo shorts, plaid tartan, down to about your ankles with lots of pockets. Then you can throw on a cardigan or maybe a tie. Anything you want, go do it, dress up. Snap a photo of yourself with your dad, your brother, your uncle, your grandpa, or even you, and send it to hashtag KKidsChallenge, and you have a chance to win a gift card from Amazon. And you get it digitally, so it'll be really quick. And with that, we're encouraging you to buy a present for that special guy in your life. So definitely go do that. Kids, one, two, three, go, do it. It's going to be fun. Parents, <laughs> now's your chance to relax. If you're new here, we would love for you to text hello to 248 781 2771. That's 248-781-2771. Text hello. We will get back to you, share some information about ourselves, and we would love to learn a little bit about you. We really like to know who's watching so that we can get to know you a little bit and learn about what you're looking for, what you're interested in hearing more about. So please take a minute and do that right now. This year for sure is a Father's Day like none other. Would you not agree? It's socially distanced. We're just getting out of a pretty long-term lockdown and it feels really different in our homes. So we thought it would be the perfect year to honor a handful of dads. So we put out a request on social media and asked some of you to nominate some dads in your life. And we got lots of people sending in letters because we have lots of really great dads. We were able to pick a handful of them and really honor them with some gifts and a little bit of loving and encouragement. So we would love for you guys to take a minute and watch this. Guys, we are here at Chris's house to celebrate him for Father's Day. Father of the year type Father of the year. I know year. I'm the father of the year, but we're gonna give him right. some too. Dave's gonna step aside. We're gonna give it to Chris today, um, but they have no idea we're here. We're gonna go surprise him right now. Secret. Come on, yes. come with us.
I'm now 29 years old and I can see with open eyes the struggles he had to endure. He lost his wife, whom he loved, was a single father, and was working on his recovery every day. He is the perfect example of what strength is in a father. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yes. Well, That's happy sweet. Father's Day. Oh, you can't go wrong with that. Yay, Eric. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Love you. Congratulations, Dominic, for... Thank you. You're welcome. Wow, really? Congratulations for being a great dad. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, Shirts, and happy Father's Day Thank you very much. It's a little something that we uh, thought you would like. It's his favorite in the back. I wonder which one might have been this, right? No, Heather told him. She called Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Your daughter's amazing. Chris is a father of four. Maddie, Owen, Lily, and Ella. Over the past three years, Chris has endured the death of his brother, the death of his mother, cancer twice, and ongoing health issues with his mother-in-law. Through all of this, Chris has been a rock for all of us, who at times have felt the walls crumble down. He has never skipped a beat, being an awesome dad and wonderful husband. We are so blessed to have this man of God who has walked a pretty tough journey. He continues to keep his eye on Jesus and truly believes that God has his hand all over him and there are brighter days ahead. It was just this past month during the pandemic that he got the all clear that his last from his last bout of cancer. We praise God for his recovery and all the blessings Chris has received during this three year process. He is truly the best and we are honored to call him dad. Mm -hmm. oh, so good. Those stories were pretty sweet, weren't they? We know that these have been really challenging times for so many people, and we wish we could have picked every single nominee. There were so many great letters that were sent in because we have a lot of great dads out there. But we do want you to know that we love you and that we're praying for you, and truly that we are here for you. If there's some way that we can come alongside you, please don't hesitate to call because we're here. Uh, we're about ready to get started. This week, we are in week two of a series called Rebuild, the story of Nehemiah. And we have Cody Wilson and Craig McGlasson in the house, and we're ready to get started. So you guys kick back and relax. And let's go. All right, guys, who's ready for the beat? Me! Let's do this. How long is the drive? About an hour. An hour? That's forever. We haven't even left yet. I'm bored. I'm hungry. Are we almost there this yet? It's taking forever. Still in the driveway. How about we play a game? No. No. We're here. Finally. Did you pack the towels? I thought you packed the towels. No, you were supposed to pack the towels. I put them on top of the cooler. The cooler that we left in the driveway. All right, guys, who's ready for an adventure? Can't you just leave us here? Are we home yet? I need to go to the bathroom. Man, that video, super funny, and I think we all can relate, whether you're a father, whether you've been in a car for a long time. I know for me, my son's only 18 months, so he's not saying, are we there yet? 
but I have memories oh, when I'm about will. 12 years old. <laughs> yeah. I'll be at 12 years old, driving with my family to Colorado, 36 hours with five snowboards in the car. And I think the whole time <laughs> I was saying, are we there yet? Because we were all about to just get in a fight by the time we actually made it to Colorado. That's awesome. Yeah. That's and so awesome. we, we actually wanted to take a second um, because we know it's Father's Day. And before we really jump into the talk today, we wanted to take a minute because there's so many amazing fathers watching this right now. And we just wanted to say happy Father's Day to everyone out there. Yeah, matter of fact, if you're with your dad right now, I don't care if you're five or 50, if you're with your dad, here's what you do. Like kids, listen, get up right now, get up off the couch or the chair, wherever you're at, put your cereal bowl down, like go bear hug dad and squeeze his guts out, ready? You're like, I already hugged him this morning. I don't care, go do it, right? Three, <laughs> two, one, go hug him. Like seriously, happy Father's Day to all of you. Yeah, there you go. And I, I'll say happy Father's Day to you, Craig. Happy Father's Day to so many dads. And I even want to say, I know for some of you, this could be actually a hard day for you. Maybe you're mm. in a place where it feels like your dad was absent or he wasn't there, or there's some abuse. And even just that word father just has a negative connotation to you. And so we just want to say we see you um, and we hear mm. you. And we also want to point you to today uh, man, we know that we serve a father that's a good father and he doesn't mm. run out and he doesn't abandon us and he has time for you. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. And so we just want to point you wherever mm. you're at today. Maybe this is a hard day for you, but know this, there's a father in heaven who loves you, who cares for you, and that's inviting you to him. And so before we do anything else, we want to just take a moment, pray for all the dads, honor you and just pray for today. So if you guys will um, just pray with me and join me in that. Mm. So Father, we just thank you today mm. that you're a good father and we thank you for so many fathers watching mm. this right now, God. We pray your blessing, your protection upon them, Jesus, and we just honor them, who they are, the way they lead their family, that you look at them and you say, you are beloved, you are my child. And so God, we just thank you for them. And God, we pray for just our time together today that you would just breathe on it, God, that you would just meet us where we're at and we'd see you in a new way, Jesus. And we give you just this day we give you our hearts and we just thank you for the fathers it's in your mighty name we pray all these things amen and before we jump any further we got a great day plan for us and i do want to just take the offering for a moment and so if you don't know you can give at kensington for three ways you can text kensington to the number 77977 you can get on the app and give there or go to kensingtonchurch.org slash giving. And we wanna thank so many people for giving. It's amazing even during this time, the generosity that so many people are showing is just incredible. So we wanna say thank you. And we just encourage you to go ahead and give right now. And we're just gonna jump into the day um, and, and we're super excited for that. Um, and I think even as we talk about, um, are we there yet? There is this reality, this human nature that all of us have that I don't know about you, but I know for me personally, I do not like waiting. I even know during uh, nope. this pandemic, right, that I am like Amazon has taken five days and I'm used to yeah. my two days. And even that's like that waiting period is frustrating to me. It, and the lines that are going on, it can be frustrating to wait. And Dude, I think Amazon is like even so a, spoiled a, us. Yeah, yeah, right. And Craig, you, you had some waiting. You, you've been waiting on some things too, haven't you? Yeah, so I ordered a bike recently. Not like a motorcycle bike, like far less cool, but a bicycle bike. <laughs> I'm into mountain biking and I needed a new bike. And so the company's in California and they said five days. I'm like, oh, five days. Like we're still spoiled with the two day delivery on Prime. But I'm like, okay, five days. Well, it got here in five days and then it sat. 
for almost four weeks in Oak Park's FedEx delivery, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, like every day I'm checking the status, I'm calling FedEx, corporate offices, that location, people I know that work at FedEx. Like I was getting so desperate. My wife is like, you are nuts. I actually called a buddy of mine who's a cop at one point. I was like, listen, here's the plan. We're gonna jump the fence, we're gonna find my bike, and if we get caught, you're a cop, so just flash your badge. He's like, dude, that's breaking and entering. We can't do that. I'm like, ugh. But it's like, yeah, it just, it's awful. Like, here's the bottom line. None of us like to wait for anything. And here's why I think this matters so much today, is that the longer you walk with Jesus, the more and more you're gonna be in seasons of waiting. Like, it's not a one-time thing. As you walk with God, you will find yourselves in these moments of waiting. And if you were with us last week, uh, Chris and Andrew talked about out of first chapter of Nehemiah, this idea that when God wants to do something through you, he first begins with something he wants to do in you. The problem is, is that between those two seasons, there's usually a waiting. Those don't usually seem to happen right on top of each other. Like God doesn't do something in you and then immediately do something through you. There's usually a season of waiting that happens in those moments. And, and, and here's the reality. If we don't know what to conclude about what God is up to in those moments, and if we don't know what to do in those moments, then we're at risk of missing one of the greatest truths that I think we need to hear today. And that truth is simply this, that our seasons of waiting are times of training. Our seasons of waiting are times of training. So this is where we're going to pick back up in Nehemiah. Uh, Chris and Andrew left us after chapter one, and we're going to pick up in chapter two. So verses one through nine are what we're going to read this morning. So Nehemiah chapter two, one through nine says this. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought to him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. And I had not been sad in his presence before. And so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruin and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, what is it you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, then let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. And then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will you take and this journey will you be on? And when will you get back? And it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Verse seven, I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I also have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I have arrived in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. So I went to the governor of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. And the king had also sent army officers and a cavalry with me. So, so you have this, this picture of Nehemiah being stirred by God to do something to the destruction of the city that he sees. There's this ruin that he sees and his heart as a result ends up being ruined and he wants to do something about it. But then he ends up in this, this period of waiting on God where, where it says for days he, he fasts, he prays, 
he mourns, he's broken over what he sees, but then the days they turn into weeks and then the weeks they turn into months and, it, and he just keeps waiting for this opportunity for God to open the doors for him to do something about what he sees in front of him. And, and he finds himself in this period of a couple of months, like three to four months. And on one hand, I think to myself, like three to four months isn't that much time. I mean, not given all the time that's come before it, it's like, so what's another three to four months? And then I think about all the time that we've been cooped up at home and I think, all right, three months stuck at home, right? You know where I'm going, right? It's like, it's like three months can feel like an eternity when you're waiting on something to change. And some of you know exactly what that feels like because that's where you're at right now. Like this is the moment of your life right now. And you and Nehemiah, you would like totally get each other because you feel like you're in a season of waiting. And maybe your waiting is that you're, you're waiting on God to answer something that you've been asking him about. Maybe clarity on a direction, uh, a move for your life. Maybe, maybe the waiting is about your marriage. Maybe there's a certain destruction that you feel in your marriage and you have been waiting on God to fix it and to breathe new life into it. Maybe the waiting is a change that you just keep seeing is not happening inside you. And you're like, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep being in this place? And I've asked God to change this. Or maybe the change you're waiting on is around you. Maybe the change you're waiting on is a change in somebody else, but here's what I want you to hear today, is that if you're in a moment of waiting and it feels like God is doing nothing, I promise you, he is active, even if you don't see it. And you might go, yeah, well, it'd be great to see it. And here's what I can tell you, if you will stay the course and you will trust him, then you will see it. Eventually, you will see it. Yeah, Greg, that's that's so good. and I. I think as you hear that, there's that reality. When you're waiting, you're not seeing anything happen. There is that temptation that creeps in of saying like, man, God has abandoned me. He doesn't care. He doesn't see me. He doesn't even know what's going on. And like you're saying, there's this reality. Maybe you're just not seeing what he's doing. It's it's interesting mm -hmm. um, as we thought about this concept, what came to my mind is is bamboo trees which you're like, what, what is, what are you right. talking about? But there's an interesting, it's like beneath every tree, there's a world going mm. on beneath the surface in the soil that you can't see. And I think so many mm. times when we're waiting, God's actually growing something like these root system that no one else sees. You're in hiddenness, but those roots that he's growing mm. are actually becoming the source of strength that when storms comes, you won't be shaken. And what's interesting about bamboo mm. trees, maybe you don't know this, is that the, the Chinese bamboo tree takes five years to grow. They have to water and fertilize the ground where it is every day, and it doesn't break through the ground until the fifth year. So imagine that they're watering, you're fertilizing, you're taking care of this tree, and you're not seeing anything happen above the surface for five years. But this is what's crazy. But once it breaks through the ground, within five weeks, five weeks after five years of seeing no growth, it grows 90 feet tall, in five wow. weeks. So imagine you're like watering this thing. I always think of this, the first person that like, like grew a bamboo tree, you know, for five years, he's just watering it. He's fertilizing it. And you're like, nothing's going on. And sometimes we have those seasons right. with God where it's like, we're waiting and we're like, God, are you doing anything? But there's this reality. You might not see right. what he's doing, but he's growing these root systems. He's growing like strength mm. and this depth in you that you're going to need when storms come. And so I, I was even thinking, imagine like the right. neighbor of this guy, right? This probably didn't happen, but he's probably like, what is this guy doing? He's just watering. He's just persisting. He's fertilizing. This tree is anything going to happen. And he's probably calling out like, hey, dude, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> but all of a sudden, after five years.
the growth starts. And then within five weeks, right, 90 feet of growth. And I look at this story and I'm like, man, this moment Nehemiah has before the king, he's been waiting three months. He's been crying. He's been mourning. He's been praying. He gets before the king. But during that three months, he had to be thinking what he needed to rebuild the wall. Because when he gets before the king and the king asks him like, what's going on? Why are you sorrowful? He knows what to ask for. He knows where to get the supplies. He knows who to partner with and that he was preparing and training during that season of waiting, that God was growing something beneath the surface over those three months. And I even, I found this quote that I thought was so good about stone cutting that I think applies to this. And this is what it says. When nothing seems to help, I go and look at the stone cutter, hammering away at his rock, perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it will split in two. And I know it was not the last blow that did it, but all that had gone before. And so I hear that and you might be in a season where it's like, man, I'm hitting this thing. I'm, I'm sowing and, and I'm taking care of this tree, right? And these roots are growing and you're like, I'm pounding, I'm pounding, I'm pounding. Nothing's happening. This is what I want to say to you. Keep persisting, keep pounding. Cause you don't know when something's going to break. You don't know when God's going to give you an opportunity, but you prepare in that season of waiting and get ready for God to open a door. And when he opens that door, be ready to go. Cause here's the thing we were talking about, like, are we there yet? right? The worst thing would be like, you're in the car, you're like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And say you're going to a ball game, you get there and someone forgot the tickets. Like that would, that would be the worst to be waiting. And then when you get your moment, when you finally get there, you're actually not ready for it. And so to ask yourself as you're waiting, like, how am I getting ready for this? Are you letting your roots grow deep? And Craig, you actually, you had some crazy roots pop up for real, literally in your own life at your house, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and and here's why this is so important. Like, it's so important that in these moments of waiting, we understand what God's doing. Uh, we'll mistake God for being absent, MIA, mm, apathetic, good. or just unloving, right? And so when you realize that while he might be doing a work beneath the surface that's not seen, he's still doing a work. Like, And, and so, like, the closest that I can think of that really gave me a picture in the last couple of years was I, so, well, look at this picture. I'll put it up on screen right now. Like okay, is why you're trying to figure out what that is. So that's my driveway or where my driveway used to be. Now it's, it was just dirt in that picture. And that giant stick is a root that is the size of a human thigh. And it was just the section I cut out was like 20 some feet long. It was ridiculous. So we had this giant silver maple tree right next to our driveway by our garage. And over the, I think it was like eight years that we lived in the house by the time this had happened, it literally pushed the slab of my driveway up completely above the slab of my garage floor so much that I could stick my whole hand under the slab of cement of my driveway. Like it was ridiculous. That root pushed up thousands of pounds of cement just as it continued to grow beneath the surface. And, and it just helped me realize, like as I thought about this, like nobody would deny the under the ground, beneath the surface, unseen work that happens with a tree's root system that ends up giving it the strength to endure and, and to survive the test of time or, or, or ultimately to destroy my driveway and my whole plumbing system. But I think there's a very similar work that also happens in our lives. A work that God does that is beneath the surface, that is unseen. A work that frankly, I think, is about preparing us for the future. A work that is, is Cody and I were talking about this message. Here's what we said and here's what I think some of us really need to hear today is that the weight, W-A-I-T, of the present prepares us for the weight of the future. The weight in the present 
prepares us for the wait in the future. There's actually a verse in the book of Jeremiah in the Bible that I think speaks so much to this idea of God taking our roots deep when we can't see what he's doing. It says this in chapter 17, verse 7, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him, right? Because that's what you need in those moments of waiting. Trust in him, be confident in him, even when you can't see what's happening. Even when what you want doesn't seem to be taking place. Why? Here's why. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. And it does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. This is what the waiting season is about. This is what God's doing is driving your roots deep, taking you through the moment of wait now for the wait in the future. Yeah, dude, that's so good. And I think I think it's important to remember, and I, I think this is for me, even being younger, so many seasons of my life, you're like, man, I wanna do this thing. I wanna push forward mm-hmm. and it feels like, man, there's doors closing or things aren't happening the way. And I think what I've realized has been so good for me is that this waiting period is actually for our own benefit, that the wait, W-A-I-T, is actually preparing us for a different kind of wait going forward. And there's this reality that God is a good father, doesn't withhold things from us. He withholds things for us. I think all of us as parents can understand that. And I was even thinking about like every year for me with my family, we would go to Cedar Point and we go on the rides and I grew up, I was always shorter than everyone else. And so I was so bummed because I was old <laughs> enough to go on the rides, but I wasn't tall enough because you have the height line, right? And right, so I was always right. a few inches, but there's a reality. The reason there's a height line, the reason you have to wait to get on that ride is because it'd actually be unsafe for you to get on it. And mm-hmm. so at one year when I was close enough, I'll throw them under the bus. My parents, I don't know if it's allowed, they, we threw a bunch <laughs> of paper towel in my shoes just so I could get on the ride. Um, but there's a reality, like there's a restriction in love not just from rules and regulations, because it would be harmful. I think in the same way, in another illustration, it's like childbirth. Like it's a nine month process. It's 40 weeks. It's a long period. And and you know, if you've had kids and, and obviously we just know this in general, that like if that baby started coming at 12 weeks, at 20 weeks, at 25 weeks, it can be catastrophic. It can be tragic. It can be really unhealthy, but there's a maturation process. It needs those weeks in the womb to grow and to mature. So when it does come out, when God is birthing something, it is mature enough to become living and active. And I think so often we're like, God, I wanna push the timing. But understanding God's heart is he's not withholding something from us. He's withholding something for us. I think gives us that place and that posture in our heart where you can say, God, I trust you. I surrender my timeline and know that you know more than I know and that you are doing a great work in me. I'm gonna trust the roots you're building. I'm gonna trust the maturing that you're bringing me in, but I know this season of waiting, I'm gonna be preparing, I'm gonna be growing, I'm gonna be maturing. So when you wanna birth something, I will be ready for it and I will be thriving and living in it. And so I think what's beautiful is we can trust the work that he is doing, that he is a good father and he has a timeline for you and you can trust that timeline. And those are some of the things that God is doing in us when we're waiting. And so then the question becomes, if God's doing all those things, what are we supposed to do during that process? Right. Because it's not a passive process. That's one of the things that I want to make sure we understand today is that the waiting that we're talking about doesn't mean that we just sit back, hands on our lap and go, okay, I've got nothing to do. I'm I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. That's not waiting. That's not the kind of waiting that the Bible is talking about. 
the kind of waiting that the Bible's talking about, that Nehemiah experienced and that we see all throughout the scriptures is a very active process of waiting. So there's the part that we need to understand of what God does in these moments, but there is also something for us to do. Matter of fact, one of the probably most quoted verses throughout the Bible that references waiting is a verse in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah says this, uh, chapter 40, verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord. So that word wait in that verse, and it's quoted so often in so many places, is a Hebrew word from the Hebrew language of the part of the Bible that was written at the time. And that word is quava. And the word quava also is a word that's used to reference like rope when it's put together and made. And, and even though we use technology that's different than was used back then, the process is ultimately the same. Rope is made by taking a variety of strands, individual strands, and binding them together. And when you think about the fact that back then they didn't have the equipment to make it, that means you did it with your hands. It was a very physical, hands-on, I think in a lot of ways because of that, even a very intimate practice and process. It was an aggressive process. It was an active process of literally taking these ropes and these strands and binding them, twisting them up together. So when we talk about waiting on God, it's not just sit back and do nothing. That literally carries this idea that the process involves us doing something that binds us more deeply and tightly and intimately to God himself. Here's what I want you to hear if you haven't heard it yet. Waiting is an active process. And what I love about the story of Nehemiah is that as he waits, I think he models for us how it is that we can wait in an active way. Yeah, that's so good, dude. I think it's beautiful. Like as we talked about that, we thought too, like imagine a rope, there's thousands of strands. And so as, say you take your life and you combine it and you weave it to God, right? This active waiting and the promise is you renew your strength, right? In that process. But imagine as a community, all of us as families, right? As you get one strand connected to Jesus, but then five, ten, thousands, it becomes this unbreakable rope. And that's what we can be as the church in this world. We can wait and connect our lives to God and become strength that other people even can hold on to. We can help them and we can pull them like that is the vision of the church. And so we talk about actively waiting. We thought as we're ending today, right, what are five ways we can do that as you look at the story? What are five applications you can apply to your life in order to wait well. And I think number one is this, is that you prepare what you pray for. That when Nehemiah prayed, right, for relief for his country, he did not just sit still and say, let God now do his own work for I have no more to do. But he set himself to forecast what he could do towards it. Like he was praying, he was mourning, but he was preparing for his moment before the king. He knew who he needed to talk to. He knew who he needed to partner with and he was ready for this moment. And I thought that like many times you can be like, man, I'm just waiting on God to do this. But I thought how often is God actually waiting on us to become the person he needs us to be? Like think about Nehemiah. It was God's heart to restore these walls that Nehemiah rebuilt. And so it's like, was God waiting on Nehemiah, was he waiting for a man to say, God, I'll do it, right? Because God wanted to do that. And think about that. God, you might think I'm waiting on God and God's looking at you saying, no, I'm waiting on you. Come partner with me and be a part of restoring families, be a part of bringing hope and healing in the earth that I have a plan for you. And so you might be saying like, man, I'm praying for my family. I'm praying to be a great husband. I'm praying, praying to be a great mom, or I'm praying to be a great musician or maybe a speaker or something like that. But what do you 
doing to prepare for that? Are you preparing for what you're praying for? What are the practical things you say, man, I want to have a healthy family. How can I prepare for that? What's one thing I can do to prepare for what I'm praying for? That's point number one. Point number two is this, is that Nehemiah, he made decisions out of faith, not fear. That that you would make decisions out of faith, not fear in seasons of waiting. And so ask yourself, like, do you project faith into the future or fear into the future? If you're going to imagine the future, why not imagine it going awesome, right? And and I think like you think of Nehemiah, he could have easily said like, I'm just a cupbearer. Who am I to rebuild this wall? And the fear of not being enough could have disqualified him. He could have said, I don't have the resources to rebuild these walls. And the fear of not having enough could have disqualified him. And I think so often we disqualify ourselves in fear before we even begin to do what God's calling us to do. And so I think there's this reality, like when everything changed for Nehemiah, it's when he he went before the king, the one with power, the one with the authority, the one with the resources, right? And who he was as a cupbearer, the fear of not being enough, the fear of not having enough didn't stop him from making this audacious request and believing that God could do something great. And when everything changed is when he got before the king. And I want you to think of this. You might be looking at yourself and be like, who am I? I don't have what it takes. I don't have the right resources, but you get to go before the king of kings, right? Who has all power, all authority, all resources under his hands. And when you go before him, you can make audacious requests that you can dream with God and really believe that he can do immeasurably more through you. It's not about you. It's about the one you're requesting, the one you're in Mm -hmm. partnership with, the king of glory, right? Like that's the king we get to go before. And so we can dream, right, with faith instead of fear, just like Nehemiah, knowing that God Mm -hmm. will fill all the gaps because we have weakness and we have flaws and we have limits, but God can meet us in those places Mm -hmm. and do something great. Absolutely. Dude, that's so good. I think if there's a couple other things that we see that Nehemiah does as well that helps him to wait in an active way, the third would be this, is that I think when we're in a season of waiting, the way that we're active is we've got to dig deeper. Dig deeper. And here's what I mean by digging deeper. You've got to get down beneath the surface and ask yourself what it is you really want. Like, what are you really waiting on from God? And I think sometimes what we think we're waiting on, what we think we want him to do is at the surface level and there's really something deeper. In other words, I think sometimes beneath the ask, there's a desire. And sometimes we don't get to that desire. I I love that when, when Nehemiah is all prepared, like he finally has his moment to share, like, okay, here's what's going on. Cities and destruction, where my ancestors were from, I want to do something about it. Like the king looks at him after he shares his whole story and he asks him a question that we've got to learn to ask ourselves in these moments of waiting. He just says, all right, what do you want? And Nehemiah was prepared in that moment to tell him what he wanted. Like he knew what he wanted. Like for me, the only thing I can think to to compare it to would be my last couple of years. Like I feel like before I joined the team here at Kensington back in November, I had been leading a church I started for over a decade. And, and I had probably about a two-year period of time where I felt like I was in this kind of holding pattern, this, this waiting season, where I had this rumbling that God was stirring some kind of change. And, and so for the longest time, my question was, God, am I supposed to be here or somewhere else? And I just kept, kept throwing that out to him and kept getting no response and no real clarity on that. And I remember about a year into that process, I shared that with a friend of mine. And, and so he says to me, well, what do you want? And I said, well, I I want God to tell me if I'm supposed to be here or somewhere else. And he said, but what do you want? And I said, for God to answer if I'm supposed to be here or somewhere else. And then he goes, but what do you want? I'm like, dude, if you keep asking the same question, I'm going to keep giving the same answer. I don't know what you mean. 
So he goes, no, Craig, you've got to get beneath the surface. The reason that you want God to answer that is deeper. And so, so I did, man. I just kept digging and digging and asking, like, what do I really want? Is that what I want? Is that all I want? Is God to say here or there? And it wasn't. And, and as I began to dig deeper, I feel like I really uncovered three very specific things for me that I wanted and that I started laying before God. And here's what was so cool is that those three things, every single one of them were present in the opportunity when, when Kensington came along and said, hey, how about joining our team? And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I don't know that I would have noticed those things in this opportunity here had I not done the work to dig deeper and ask, what do I really want? Like, like your kids ever do this to you where they're like, mom, 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 or dad, 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 dad. And then you're like, what? And they go, uh, I don't know, I forgot. Like, I just think sometimes we could do that to God where we keep asking him for something, but we haven't done the work to dig deeper and go, but what do we really want? What are we really asking for? So that when he's ready to respond, we have to be like Nehemiah and go, here's what I want. Here's what I'm asking. Let's ask with clarity. Let's do the good work of uncovering what it is we really want. Here's the other thing I think we can do to wait in an active way. It's pray persistently. Like if you notice, I love it when, when the king says, what do you want? Nehemiah, very quick, he just follows it up. It says, and then he prayed to the Lord. Like he's already been praying. We know that from chapter one. He spent seasons of time in prayer and fasting. So you can't accuse him of not having prayed yet. But again, in this moment, when he's given the opportunity to move forward, he again prays. Like he, he doesn't stop laying before God his needs and, and just speaking it out to him, just praying to him about it. I think sometimes you and I have a tendency to be like a, a one and done or a, a two and through or a, I don't know what rhymes with three, so I'm going to quit there. But like, like we just like hit God with a quick prayer and then that's it. And then it's like, well, I'm just going to wait for him to do something. And I almost wonder if there's not times that God's going, I'm going to wait for you to keep asking. And, and I wonder if he doesn't at times want to see our persistence. There's a verse in the Bible in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, that just literally two words. It just says this, pray continually. And I, and I don't think that that means that we never stop praying, but I do think it means that we need to be people that pray persistently. Like I, I've got three kids and, and they're all into different hobbies. My son, one of his is music. My girls, one of theirs is soccer. And over the years, my wife and I have made massive investments of time, money, energy into those hobbies for them. But I can guarantee you if they would have only ever asked once or expressed interest one time, we wouldn't have done that. Like if my son one time was like, I'd like to learn the guitar and never again, probably no investment on my part. My daughters, honestly, even this last week, my wife and I made a huge decision to move them to a whole nother level of soccer that's gonna require bigger commitment of time, bigger investment of money. And, and I'll tell you in all honesty, 90% of the reason we did that is the persistence of my daughters that just were like, dad, we want this, dad, we want this, dad, we want this. I think God invites us to that with him as our dad to persistently come before him and continue to go to him and say, dad, will you do this? Dad, will you do this? Dad, will you do this? And then the last thing that I think that we do when we're in a season of waiting that helps us be active is build a team. You gotta build a team. Again, I just wanna go back to my own story for a minute. Like when I was feeling like God was leading me to start a church years ago, one of the first things that I did is I started to pull together a group of people that I thought could be involved in that process, that if God said yes, that this would be the group of people that could help me with that and could be a part of that team to get it done. Because when God does something in you to do something through you, 
that is seldom a work that he does in isolation. He does it in community with other people, right? He doesn't just do it for you, in you. He does it in you for others as well. And so one of the things that I think we're in a moment of season, whatever that season of waiting is about, you've got to ask, who is the people around me that God wants me to do this with? So that when Nehemiah finally gets, gets like time with the king and the king says, what do you want? And he lays it before him and the king says, fine, you can go do that. I love that Nehemiah had clearly, verse seven and eight, he'd already thought about who he needed help from. So he's like, well, there's also uh, this one regional guy that I'm gonna need permission to go through his territory. Uh, there's this other guy that's got resources. I'm gonna need some wood and lumber from him. Like I love that he thought that through already. Whatever you're waiting on, I promise you that God wants to do what he's going to do in community with other people, no matter what it is. And so while you wait, you've got to be thinking about the who that God wants you to do it with. Even Jesus did this. Like when we see Jesus in the, in the Gospels before he ever went to the full-blown work of what he was here to do, he spends an entire night in prayer asking for wisdom from the Father on who he should be doing it with. So whether that is an effort you want to be involved in, or, or maybe it's even, like I said earlier, your marriage, and you're going, man, I'm waiting for God to restore some health to my marriage. Maybe one of the things you need to do right now is ask, who do I need to assemble around me? And maybe that team is only one person. Maybe it's three other people, but people to pray with you, to stand with you, to encourage you, to mirror you back to you. But who are those people that God has called you to do that with? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. Because here's the reality. As you walk with Jesus, you're going to find yourself in a season of waiting more than once. And none of us like waiting. But here's the good news. Waiting with God is like no other kind of waiting. Because the wait in the present is what prepares us for the wait in the future. Yeah, Craig, that's, that's so good, dude. You're just killing it, preaching it. And so we'll close with saying this, which we said before, is that your season of waiting is an invitation to become a season of training, that you can unite your life to God, that you can let the roots go deep and knowing he's doing a great work in you and he's gonna do something powerful through you, that those seasons of waiting are seasons of training, that you're actively waiting, it's not a passive thing. And so some of you may know, especially in the Orient community, I made a video, but me and Jenna, I was writing this message and I'm like, man, this message is for me right now um, because I've been in residency at Kensington as a teaching pastor for the last two years and those two years are coming to a close at the end of this June. And so my time at Kensington is also coming to a close. And it was crazy waking up this morning because I'm like, man, today is really one of the last times, you know, you don't know the future, but that I'll be speaking at Kensington. It's really the last message I'll give. And so me and Jenna, we're not positive what we're doing next. We have some rumblings, but there's this reality of like, we're going in and we're in a season of waiting. And we know, like, as we're preparing this message that God's doing something great in us, that he's preparing us. And as I'm writing this message, I'm like, man, I need to lean in. And here's where I'm at and where you may be at is prepare and lean in, be ready for whatever the future holds, but surrender your timeline. That's what I feel like the Lord's saying to me is you don't know what's coming. And some of you, you might be at a place where you're just like, man, I have nothing left. Just unite your life to Jesus. Let him restore you. Let him breathe life into you. You feel like you're that broken wall that Nehemiah restored. Man, Jesus can restore you and he will restore you. And so for us, we're going to sing the song that Davy Nelson, he wrote this. And it's so beautiful. One of the main lines in it is, Jesus, I trust you. 
and that's what I'm holding on to. I hope you can surrender your timelines today and just surrender and say, Jesus, I trust you. So let me just pray for us as a community. So Jesus, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that in the seasons of waiting, God, you're not distant. You're actively involved in every detail of our lives, moving and growing us. And so, God, we just pray you bring to mind things we should step into, things we need to do to prepare, things we need to partner with, and people we need to partner with, God. But you give us your grace. You give us your spirit. We just love you, Jesus. And we just say, God, we trust you. We love you. And we thank you. It's in your mighty name we pray all these things. Amen. And I just want to say, you know, I've been a part of the Kensington community for so long, but Thank you to so many people. I love you. I'm so thankful for you. And let's just sing to Jesus and confess our trust.
When we put our trust in Jesus and fully surrender to him these seasons of waiting, that's when I believe we really start to see change happen. As we sing out this last song called Do It Again, we're going to be singing words that say, I've seen you move the mountains and I believe you'll do it again. God has made a way where there's no way. And we get the opportunity to put our trust in his faithfulness and say, God, I'll see you do it again. So I want you to declare this over whatever season you're in, putting your full trust and surrendering to the faithfulness of our loving Father, that He is going to move mountains and He's going to make a way. So let's sing this out together.
great and it's a great reminder he has never failed us yet and he never will so we're just going to walk into our week remembering that you guys if you need prayer we would love to invite you to our website click on the prayer bubble and there's some people there that are available and waiting to pray with you so take advantage of that next wednesday is our midweek it starts at 7 p.m we're in a series about peter called rock solid living we'd love for you to join us then and then next weekend we're going to continue on with our rebuild series it's a great message come on back until then, you guys, be well, take care, and have a good week. See you soon.